awesome. Well, we're doing a great uh, series at the moment on spiritual warfare, and uh, I was just thinking as the screens went out, I thought, yeah, that's kind of typical when we talk on matters like this, something crazy goes wrong. Over the years, many people would realize that. We've had many meetings, and it's just like, for some strange reason, uh, something doesn't work, and uh, it's been working fine, and it just flicks in and out. Well, this morning, um, I'm going to continue on talking about spiritual warfare, which is our topic for the month. And um, this is such an important thing because we need to be reminded that we are in a warfare. You know, just because we're not seeing things always, it doesn't mean it's not happening. It's not like we're seeing the devil out there shooting people with guns, you know, but he is in the spiritual realm working his works. See, behind every battle that you see, even on the TV, we see different warfare stuff going on. There's another battle behind that. It's a spiritual battle that uh, pushes that on. That's why the Bible tells us clearly our, our fight is not against flesh and blood. It's against spiritual powers in, in high places. And we need to be aware of that because that's what pushes on, you know. We need to understand that when we are in turmoil of some sort, just stop and just take a breath because whenever we raise our voices and get angry and start shouting at each other or get upset with each other. It gives the devil an opportunity to step in with his warfare and to stir things up. You know, that's why the Bible talks about having joy, the joy of the Lord, having fun together and all that stuff, because the enemy is a killer of all those things. As we know, the uh, John 10.10 says, a thief does not come except to, he may steal, kill, and destroy. So you've got to understand there is an enemy out there that wants to kill, steal, and destroy from you. And we can't allow that to happen. But God is here to give you life this morning. And that is the battle. That is the spiritual warfare that is going on behind the scenes. You know, it's, it's, it's just raging all around the world. It has from day one since uh, sin entered the world. But the devil is very smart. The devil doesn't like to let you know he even exists. He doesn't want you to know. That. He doesn't really care. And that's why we don't see a, a guy running around in red pajamas with horns on his head creating havoc everywhere. But he is actually in a spiritual realm. He is a spiritual being, so he can do things in the spiritual realm, which we, we're not able to other than through our prayers. And uh, we can see the effects of that in our crazy world today. You know, like, uh, as I said, I'm a, I absorb a lot of news every day. It drives my wife nuts, but uh, I just like reading things. I'm a big sponge, so I just like to absorb all the facts, figures, and, and I just, just do that. So as soon as I'm home, I'm thinking, I will go through uh, over 200 articles a night, just flicking through, reading, dee, 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 dee. <laughs> and uh, so I pick up a lot of information, but I can see our world has certainly changed a lot. And I think you don't need to read that many articles to find that out. Uh, you know, they're onto a new thing now with the uh, white privilege and, uh, you know, Coca-Cola's even doing a train retraining for their... Uh, uh, their staff to teach them about you know, white privilege and all that and how you, you know you, you need to change your whole thinking on that there's a whole load of crazy stuff as Sharon said going on and the more you read the more you go is this for real did I am I in a dream right now is this really going on but we gotta understand that the devil has created this behind the scenes because the devil is a deceiver he is a liar he's the father of all lies so he's stirring all this stuff up confusing people about who they are what we should be doing everything and we're seeing the effects of that even now with the effects the roll-on effects of the COVID-19 thing people out of work uh, people totally confused whether you have to wear a mask whether you, you can fly without one can you do this 
is just flip-flop, flip-flop. It's all over the place, and people are just totally confused. But God is not the God of confusion. That is the devil, and you need to understand that this morning. And the devil uses, like, chaos and fear. You know, the fear factor is incredible, uh, what's going on right now with different people. You know, I've, I've seen some oh, incredible shots of uh, people so fearful about the virus that they've gone to the shops with plastic bags over their heads. You know, they're going to suffocate themselves. I go, oh, my goodness. Um, I've even seen someone cut out a, <laughs> you know, the, um, when you get spring water in those big plastic containers, they cut the bag and stuck that over the head. And they've all got gloves on and all this. Thing. And I go, oh, my goodness, they've created such fear fear. But 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. You know, if you're getting a fear, that's not of God. It says spirit is a fear, but that is not of God. If you're fearful this morning, you, you should, that's, that's the enemy. I'm not scared of any boogeyman virus. It doesn't, you know, it, because I have God on my side and I know God is for me and uh, will never leave me. You've got to start taking the promises of God and applying it in your life and speaking it out over the circumstances. Don't allow the mainstream news to brainwash you with fear. I was speaking to my cousin through uh, text the other night, and I could see all this fear in her. Like, she's, oh, we're in lockdown again in England. You know, there's these many cases. It just goes on and on and on. And um, fear is a dangerous thing. You know, it just creates people all stressed out and like, oh, what's going to, what are we going to do? How are we going to feed the kids? How are we going to do all this thing? And I was reading a little, a little, um, uh, thing in this uh, facts book about uh, a guy called Dr. Seal. He, he, uh, he did a little test on stress and fear and all those things with rats. And uh, rats cause stress, actually, and fear. <laughs> I don't like rats. But <laughs> and what he did in this experiment, he inoculated a group of rats with disease. And then a second group of rats injected with poison. The third group of rats was subjected to stresses that produced great anxiety and mental emotion and confusion. He said the amazing result was that the stress of hate, envy, jealousy, fear, and anxiety produced bodily disintegration, disintegration and brought on death just as certainly as it did the disease and germs and the poison. So in other words, the effects of that fear and stress was equal to being poisoned. And that's where you got to understand what's going on right now. You need to help people that are fearful about this thing. Say, hang on. Just take a breath, look around you. Nobody's dropping dead in the streets, all right? So it's not quite like what you're hearing. Yes, there is a, a, a virus, but it's not like what's being told on the news every night, in your face. Another so many cases, 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 whatever. Don't allow that. Do your research and you'll go, wow, there's a few holes here. It's being pushed. Uh, so I, I encourage you to do that. Like I said, I'm not a medical guy, so I can't give advice on that, but I can tell you the papers I've researched and seeing the effects of all this. Because people are actually uh, dying, not so much of the virus, but they're dying of fear. And uh, the effects of all that in their life, in the lockdowns and things like that, suicides, everything. It's all created by that fear, 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 fear. As one person put it, it said, if you turn your TV off, the virus would go away. And I thought, yeah, well, that's so true, isn't it? But people react to fear and you know, in warfare, they know that. Adolf Hitler used the whole tactics of fear during World War II. He just put the fear out, fear, fear, fear. And, it's, and one of his, uh, I forgot who it was now, uh, Himmler or someone said, if, if you can make people fearful, you can make them do anything. They will just surrender to you just for some, 
hope of safety. I was, I was recalling um, back in 1938, not that I was around, that, I'm not that old. <laughs> in October 30th, 1938, a guy called H.G. Wells, uh, sorry, Orson Wells, uh, spoke out on the radio. Back then, TV wasn't around, so they used to listen in on the radio, right? You know, they'd just listen to radio and it'd be entertained by radio comedy and all this sort of stuff. And um, Orson Wells decided he was going to read from H.G. Wells' book, The War of the Worlds. Now, some of you already know what, where this is going. And uh, he thought, well, I kind of don't want to just read it like a story time. I want to make it like real. So he actually spoke it out like it was real. And um, so people were coming home, flicking on the radio and hearing things like that. We are under attack right now. The Martians are coming. They're landing. They're attacking us. Uh, and it created a panic. People thought that was real. You know, not, not everyone, but a lot of people thought that was real. They're running down the streets. There, there, was also, there was even a lady apparently about to commit suicide because she didn't want to be taken by the Martians. You know, but this is what you've got to understand. Is there truth to that fear that you're, you're hearing, you know, you're feeling, experiencing? And right now, I'd say to you, just check out everything, everything, because there's a lot of miscommunication and, and lies going on. And that's why in 2 Corinthians, Paul says this. He said, we should not be ignorant of his devices, meaning Satan's got devices. He's using little things to uh, distract you, to stir you up, to deceive you. And Paul's answer says, answers this, says, we should not be ignorant. But sometimes we are. We've got to know what the devices of the devil are. The devil's smart guy he's not dumb you know just because we see him in the cartoons looking like that he is a spiritual being and he's out to uh, deceive the masses he knows his future and he just wants to take everyone down with him and uh, that's not going to happen on my watch okay amen because <laughs> we're in a spiritual battle we're here to win souls we're here to win people that like so this is a real battle going on there's a real battle going on, and it plays out in the physical that you see, but you don't see in the spiritual what's going on unless God gives you an understanding. And, and, and there has been people that God has shown that to. I remember one friend of mine said he went to this, he was invited uh, to this, um, some sort of cultic meeting or something. And he said when he was there, he started praying because he's starting to feel really weird about being in the midst of this place. And also God opened up his eyes and he could see all these spiritual beings, demons flying around the place. And he said it freaked him out and he got out of there very quickly. But there's a spiritual realm. See, we are two, we, it's like um, there's another dimension, the fourth dimension. We are 3D people. There's a fourth dimension, which is the spiritual realm, which the devil works in. And he works through people. You know, that's what he uses. He uses people to uh, achieve these things. So we need to know about the devil. We need to understand what he is up to so we can battle that because we are in a spiritual battle against evil. So we don't have to be caught up in all this. We just need to stand against the devil. All right? That's what the Bible tells us. It says stand against the devil. Paul goes further in Ephesians uh, chapter 6, which is a great passage. It's a long one, but I'll attempt to get through it all. How to stand against the evil in our days. And if you've got your Bibles with you this morning, if you turn to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, right through to 18, I'm going to pull some of this apart this morning. I think it's important that we understand the battle we're in and how to stand against it. Because I, I know many uh, churches will not enter into anything that's like this because uh, 
they, they just want easy church. They just want to come along, sing, and that's it, go home. They don't want to think about there's an enemy because it means they'd have to address that in their lives. How are we going to uh, attack the enemy and so forth? All right, so Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 says, Finally, this is Paul speaking, Finally, my brothers, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, or the schemes, your uh, version may say. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the world's rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Therefore, take to yourself the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, stand. Therefore, stand having your loins girded about with truth and have on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, take the shield of faith which you shall be able to quench all the fiery, dar- arrows of the, sorry, fiery darts of the wicked. And uh, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And then it says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching this very thing with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Whew, that's a lot to say. (laughs) But I say that to break this down because it's very important that we understand as Christians we have weapons of warfare. We have the ability to, to fight the devil. Like, because Jesus won the battle already, we're just clearing up. It's kind of like um, in, uh, just after the World War, I did actually have the thing there, I've lost it now. Uh, there was a Japanese soldier been fighting during World War II, and he was left in, I think it was in the Philippines, in the jungles there. And, of course, the war had finished, he, but he didn't get the memo. And uh, he was in that jungle still thinking he was at warfare. And uh, he was there for something like 38 years before someone found him and had to convince him the war was over. Incredible story. Um, But anyway, uh, we are in a real fight and we need to be aware of it. He wasn't aware of it, uh, but we need to be aware of it because how else can we fight if if we're not aware that there's an enemy? So firstly, Ephesians 6.10 says, Finally, my brothers, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Firstly, we cannot fight the enemy in our own strength. And this is where people fall down. That, you know, I've known people uh, go gung-ho into zones and areas they shouldn't go into because the devil does have some territory and uh, uh, you've got to be very careful how you approach that. You know, I always say to people, you know, when you go visit Asia and places like that, do not go into temples because that is a place of worship of the enemy. And people take off their shoes to go in there, take photos. Don't do that. You know, that, that's a dangerous place to go because you're going into the enemy's ground where he has authority. He has authority in that temple. And, and I, I, I know firsthand I was in Singapore in 2001 and two, I think it was, uh, where I met a lady that used to, uh, she had all these convulsions and fits going on all the time. And um, the pastor I was with had inquired about what's her story. She says, well, she never used to be like this. And she said, well, what has changed? Because, well, she's met this guy, and this guy's into uh, whatever worship it was, and uh, he'd take her to his temple. And he said, well, you, you can't do that, you know. So anyway, he prayed for her, and she was set free, totally healed, no more fits and, and things like this. And I thought, this is great. And a year later, when we came back, she'd gone even worse again. We said, what's happening here? She started going back to the temple. She kept going into the place of worship that was not of God. It was not a house of God. It was a house of the devil. 
And uh, you've got to understand that. You don't go into his territory that he's been given authority over. But we take back ground by, in the heavenlies through prayer. And that's why we, you know, we cannot fight the enemy in our own strength. That's why James says, submit yourselves to God. You know, the only power we have is in Jesus to fight the enemy. You cannot, like, it's like you can have a physical gun and shoot the devil. You know, he's a spiritual being, so that's not going to work. You can't throw knives at him. You know, you can't get him from behind and hit him. Yeah. We, we can get carried away at how we can tackle the devil in our own strength, but that's not the way God tells us. It says to submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So if, it, if the word of God is telling us to resist the devil, that means we're all going to have encounters every so often of the devil because otherwise he wouldn't tell us to resist him if it's not going to be an issue. But the fact is daily the devil is looking for a way to attack you. He's looking for a way to bring you down, to discourage you, to make you think you're a nothing, that you never count for anything. Totally the opposite of what God is, where God is building you up, God is for you, God is with you, and God will never leave you. And so you've got to understand the whole deal of this is the devil is alive. But when we submit ourselves to God, we walk in the power of God. You know, when we submit ourselves to God, we're not using our weapons, we're using spiritual weapons of power under, under, under God himself. Because our strength and authority is only found in one name, and there is only one name, that's the name of Jesus. In Jesus, every demon trembles, every knee bows under the power of that name. And we need to be able to declare that name. We need to speak out that name. Strong in the Lord and the power of His might. And that's what it is when we declare the name of Jesus. I'm telling you, I've had many encounters over the years of different spiritual encounters, I should put it that way. And... Uh, I remember this particular one in the early days because if you've ever prayed for somebody and they suddenly manifest a demon, it's like pretty full on the first time because you go, oh my goodness, you know, what am I going to do here? And I had one account one time in the early part of this church where uh, after the service there was an instance there and uh, started praying for this person and uh, they just fell to the ground. I thought, oh, that's easy. I can go away now and uh, leave them and but then there was all these sort of noises starting to be come out of them and um, we're going oh I've read about this <laughs> and, and straight away I'm going to action like how do I deal with this and it was just suddenly I just felt God saying in me you had the power in the name of Jesus you had the power so I remember going to this person I said like and it, it is kind of like weird because you got other people that were just starting to go out of the church and you don't want to look like an idiot. You, know, you don't want to jump to the conclusion that everybody's got a demon. You know, is he just having a, a fit of some sort? But no, it was definitely a, a demon. And I, and I said, come out in the name of Jesus. And, and this person just out their back, looked to me and said, ha, 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 who do you think you are? Whoa, you say that to me. That's a <laughs> and, and, and I remember that. And, and I go, and suddenly I just got this boldness come upon me. I said, I know who I am. I'm a child of God. In the name of Jesus, you ought to come out. And this went on for about 20 minutes. Out the back and then set free. Set free in the name of Jesus. Because I didn't quit. You see, the devil likes to kind of test you. Uh, do you really believe in that name of Jesus? Or are you just declaring it? Are you, are you, are you really like sold on that? Because um, we, we can read in, uh, I think it's an Acts, 
the sons of, of Sceva, they, they kind of saw people casting out demons in Jesus' name. They thought, oh, yeah, we can do this. And the story goes that uh, the demon said, who do you think you are? I know Paul we know. We don't know who you are. Like, who are you? And it says the, the demons jumped out on them and, and stripped them of clothes and they went running off. So you need to know the authority that's in you, the power that is in you. You need to have confidence because the devil will do that. He will hang in sometimes. It will hang in there just to see if you really believe in that power. Ephesians 6.11 says, um, Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. It says, put on the whole armor. See, some of us are only putting on bits, you know, where we kind of think about it. The whole passage of this armor is a complete protection, right? There's no gaps, no holes, not like masks. <laughs> yeah, they say work. Um, we're talking about com- total uh, covering, a total covering. And the funny thing is, years ago, I read a book uh, by Rebecca Brown, and she dealt with a woman that came out of witchcraft, high-up-level high witchcraft. And she said this. She goes, the armor of God is real. And uh, she says, in witchcraft, they are aware of it. If you have prayed and put on the full armor of God, they can actually see it in the spiritual realm. They, they will not attack you because they know they cannot penetrate that. And that's why we need to be aware of, of that whole deal, that every morning we should put on the armor of God, go through Ephesians chapter 6, it starts to put the helmet of salvation, sword of spirit, shield of faith, and so forth. Put it on. I remember uh, Jay Johns always says that. He does that in the shower. He's washing up on the helm. <laughs> Shield face. Yeah. And, and, and I thought, yeah, well, that's good. That's good. So we can all do that in the shower. Uh, yeah, there's plenty of room in the shower to put on your uniform. Um, <laughs> but we need protection. We need this protection from the enemy because 1 Peter 5 8 says, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking someone he may devour. So the devil's not just happy with just putting a few things out. He's actually seeking someone, like a roaring lion. You know, have you seen the big lions? You know, they're looking for someone to devour. And lions will, they may sometimes look like a nice big pussycat, but they're not. I remember seeing a, a, a footage of um, a guy on a tour bus. And of course, they always say on the tour buses, do not get off the bus to take photos. Japanese guy decided, ah, it's okay, it's just a big pussycat. Well, he found out that wasn't the case, and he was never able to talk about it again. Uh, yeah, he actually got killed in that accident. So uh, that's what I'm saying. But a roaring lion is ferocious, very strong, and you've got to make sure that uh, uh, you have your armor on to protect yourself from that because the devil walks around like a roaring lion looking for someone to vow. So the armor is made up of all sorts of components, and, you know, you can pull it up on the internet lots of people have descriptions about the armor and trying to uh they're related to the the roman outfit that they put on and they have different analogies you know the belt you know holds everything together and all this sort of stuff and that's all good but i'm not going to go into all that i'm i just actually basically want to say that it's a full covering that keeps you from the enemy firstly it says um having your loins good about with truth truth is a key thing there if we are living from truth, lies have no effect on us. You know, we have too much in our world right now, and I was only listening to somebody the other day saying, oh, but that's your truth. And th- but my truth is this. And I go, no, there's only one truth, and then there's your opinion. Okay, you can have opinions, but you can't have truths. By the definition of the word truth, it has to be truth. And there can only be one truth. 
You can't have several truths because you think this is true and that's true. Well, there's only one truth. And so if you're living from truth, uh, lies have no effect. And you got to remember the devil is the father of all lies. So you're, the opposition to that is truth. You stand against the devil by proclaiming truth. And he's not going to stick around. He'll have a go at you for a while with lies, but he won't stick around. That's why he said stand and the devil will flee. But if you're going to give in, you're going to quit, the devil's going to stand there himself. If you want the devil to stand, you quit. But if you stand here, quit. And that's it is. It's a, what do you call it? Yeah, <laughs> Mexican standoff thing. Um, and then it says, having the breastplate of righteousness. Living a righteous life, if you're living a righteous life, the devil can't get in. It's only when we open the door to him, you know, we have different things that sometimes we slip on, and it's an opportunity for the, the devil. Remember, he's looking for the door. He's trying to get his foot in the door. If he sees you let your guard down, you know, that's why the Bible says to live a holy life, acceptable and pleasing to God. If we're not living a pleasing, acceptable uh, lifestyle to God, the devil's taking note. He goes, okay, they've just opened the door there. I can get in there. And, and that's what he'll do. And then he'll start playing his little games. And that's why somewhat the, the Christian walk is sometimes up and down because one minute we're on a high and then, you know, we let, let our guard down and then it gives an opening for the devil to come and mess with us. And then we feel depressed. It's all not happening. God doesn't love me. I'll go eat some worms. And... Um, it's uh, that kind of thing. But it's, it's like the devil is looking to get in. And we've got to make sure that we've got that armor on. We're closed. We've got, we're walking in righteousness. We're putting on part of the armor, the breastplate of righteousness, which actually goods, sorry, hot, uh, protects your inner heart and everything else, all the vital organs. And then it says you should, uh, then you, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We should be ready always to proclaim the gospel of peace. And on the firm foundation of who Christ is, that we don't allow the devil to push in on us, we're actually pushing in on him, proclaim the gospel wherever we go. And then it says, above all, take the shield of faith. Faith is a big one because it says in the next passage, with which you shall be able to quench all the fiery, fiery darts of the wicked. You know the devil's firing arrows at you all the time? But when you've got your shield of faith, <laughs> it's like Captain America, uh, he cannot penetrate that. Like they just bounce off. They, they just won't do that. But when we let our guard down, let our shield down, he, he, he knows. He'll have a go at you. The devil's always firing darts, accusations, lies. That's how he works, remember? He will, he will try to put you down wherever he can. And some of you here have been listening too long to those sort of voices and those words. But that's not from God. That's not, God doesn't put you down. God picks you up. He picks you up out of the miry clay, the scripture says. And... Um, so if, we, if we're walking in faith, faith is like, the word faith in itself has a whole big meaning of that you really believe God. You know, it's not just that you know of him. It's that I, God said it, I believe it. It's that simple. And if you're living in that sort of life of faith, the devil can't do anything because you're operating in the realm of God and he has no power in that area. So the devil's always going to fire those darts at you. And uh, so you, that's why you've got to be under the, God's covering as well because if you're walking outside of God's covering, you will be attacked by the enemy. The guy, um, oh, I've forgotten his name now, spoke years ago at a big conference. He explained how the devil works. He tries to pick people off. It's kind of like, in the, have you ever seen the lions going after a pack of wildebeest? He goes for the little straggler behind, never attacks the front one or the main string because they'll all turn on him. No, he goes for the easy picking. 
So he's looking for the easy picking. You've got to make sure you're not that easy picking. Then it says, take the helmet of salvation. The, you know, salvation, the helmet is on the head. And this is where the devil loves to attack your mind, your thinking. The devil attacks you by questioning you. Are you saved? Are you really a Christian? You know those sort of thoughts? That's how he works. He likes to make you question. As he did Adam and Eve in the, in the garden. Did God really say that? Did God really say you shouldn't eat of that fruit? That's how he does it. He messes with your mind. But if you've got the helm of salvation, knowing that you are saved in Christ and that he is your redeemer, that he is your Lord, that doesn't affect you. Go away, devil. Go bother somebody else. Devil, not today or any day. Amen. We need to stand with that confidence. There is no condemnation, condemnation for those that are in Christ. The devil always accuses you. What sort of Christian do you think you are? If you ever kind of got that feeling like, call yourself a Christian. If you were a Christian, you should have done that. The devil likes to set you up for things, knowing that you're going to foul, and then he'll accuse you. And that, that's his gameplay. So be aware of how he works. They have confidence. If you've given your life to Jesus Christ, the devil has no power over you. It's only what you give to him. Then it says the sword of the Spirit, uh, which is the Word of God. God, um, you can't fight the devil any other way, as I said earlier. You know, it's like your spiritual sword is the Word of God. If you read the account of Jesus being led into the wilderness, you know, the devil tempted him. If you do this, and, and Jesus said, for it is written. See, when we start declaring to the devil, it is written, he goes, whoa, they know this stuff. I'm backing out here. But he will try push. He will try convince you. He will try to take control of you while you don't know what the power is that's in you. For the Bible says, greater is he that is in us than he who is in the world. The devil doesn't want you to know that. In, uh, many years ago, David Yonggi Cho was in praying and the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, I want you to go to Japan and preach the gospel. Now, Japan's got a very low percentage of Christians. And he goes, oh, really? That's going to be so hard. Like, you know, I don't really want to go. But he felt the impression to go. So he took another guy with him and said, right, we're going to Japan and to preach the gospel. And, uh, you know, God's told me, so I'm going to do that. Anyway, he arrived at, at this hotel room. Straight away, the devil knew he was on his way. The devil didn't want Yonggi Cho there because Yonggi Cho had the world's largest church in the world and uh, amazing stories if you read his stuff. And the devil's aware. The devil's always aware of what's going on somehow. Even when we came to this church years ago, like the devil knew we were coming here before the neighbors knew. And uh, they sent a warlock in our, in our car park, cursing and whatever, and we told him where to go. But anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, so Yonggi Cho is in his hotel room, and straight away he's starting to feel the pressure because it's not a Christian country. He, he could feel the oppression. He could feel the sense of the enemy. And he said that that night he went to bed. His, um, the guy he was traveling with had his own room next door, and he just went to bed. And as he was just nodding off, suddenly felt what he could only describe as the smell of death. And it freaked him out. Like he's in a dark room, he could just smell like death. And he said he looked up, opened his eyes, looked to the end of the bed, and there's this dark figure standing there with piercing red eyes. And uh, he said he, he thought he was dreaming, so he like, punched himself, pinched himself a few times. Still there. This is real. I've got to do all this. He said he was so freaked out, he sort of froze. And he said, my first uh, reaction was, let's get the heck out of here. <laughs> let's run for it. Run for it now. But as he was thinking that, the Holy Spirit spoke to him and says, you run now, you'll be running forever. Stand and the devil will flee. 
So suddenly these thoughts came to him, a scripture verses flooded in, and he says, devil, for it is written, you know, and he started quoting off scripture verses. And the devil took one step back and says, okay, you know your scripture, so I have to go. That was the only weapon he could use against the devil. He couldn't have got out there with a baseball bat. He's got hidden under the bed and whack him over the head. <laughs> that wouldn't have worked. You're talking about spiritual forces here, but he used the word of God because it's all powerful against the enemy and the devil had to leave. And um, so the armor itself is the full covering to keep us safe. But it also says we have to go out on the uh, fence and start praying. Ephesians 6.18 says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. It's very interesting it mentions the Spirit uh, because sometimes we don't know what to pray. Sometimes we go like, oh, you know, I should be praying. The Bible tells me to pray. I don't know. I, I prayed this morning. I, I run out of things to pray for. Well, it says in Romans 8.26, the Spirit joins to help you in your weakness. For we do not know what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes on our behalf with groanings that cannot be uttered. So when we start praying in our spiritual language, for those that have that spiritual language, it's not just jibber-jabber. It's actually doing something in the spiritual realm. The devil doesn't like it. The devil gets very upset when you start speaking in tongues. And um, because there's a power in there and the, the Spirit is using you to pray for the things that you ought to, that you don't know you ought to, <laughs> if that makes sense. But when we do this, power is released. We have the power and authority over the devil this morning. Each one of us that is a believer in Christ, you have the power and authority to cast out demons, to cast out devils, wherever you go. And, and I'll tell you, they, they, they start to know when you know. See, when you don't know, they're not worried about you. They're not worried about you. The devil's not worried about you if you don't know that you have the power. If you don't know you have the authority, he doesn't really care about you. But as soon as you wake up and go, whoa, God's given me authority and power over the enemy. That means I can do something. He gets worried. He goes, hang on, don't believe that. Don't believe that. The devil will start scrambling like, hey, somebody's waking up here. Let's, let's try fool him. We've got to stand up and go, no, I have a power and authority. In the name of Jesus, come out. You cast out devils. I have a power uh, to see healing. I have power. And start exercising that. See, what the devil does, too, when you do it the first time and perhaps something doesn't really work out like you think, you get scared and you're embarrassed and you don't go back there again. He's got you. He likes that. Keep pushing through because that's what faith does. Faith sees. Faith knows and has confidence in God. So we need to actually just keep going at it. Like, you know, like I said, the first time I, uh, I've, I, I'm trying to think the first time I ever prayed for someone that had an evil spirit and I think was on a holiday and uh, this particular girl just um, was acting really weird and, and Sharon was there, so you, you need to come help me here. And I said, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. And, and she's just, this person's acting really weird. And uh, so well, let's just pray. And I, I remember just praying and she looked up at me, made eye contact and screamed. Now, that wasn't very good for my ego. And, uh, and, and I go, but suddenly I just felt there was something weird going on here that I've never seen or kind of knew about. And suddenly I just felt God say, cast it out. And I go, cast what? You cast it out. <laughs> I don't know how to do this. And it was like this kind of bell in my head. But then suddenly it was just an authority came in me. And I said to her, I said, look at me. I said, in the name of Jesus, you come out. And all of a sudden she screamed and she was set free. Of course, I was very conscious from that point on about the initial scream uh, looking at me and uh, 
Yeah, what she would do. Well, yeah. Anyway, so later on when she was all set free and uh, received Jesus and, and all that, I said, look, just got to ask you one thing. Why do you scream at me? Am I that ugly? And uh, she goes, no. She says, well, I couldn't look at you. She said, she was seen in the spiritual realm. She said, you were covered by the blood. She said, well, I looked at you. Oh, she said, you were so bright, and I just saw a covering of blood. That's what's in you because you're Jesus in you has covered you by the blood. And the, the enemy sees it. You may not see it, but the enemy will see it. I didn't see it. I didn't see anything. What's she on about? Uh, but the thing was, the enemy sees it. You have a power and authority over the devil this morning. And I, wanna, I want you to know and to understand when God gives you his word, it is true. It is not like a suggestion. It's not like, well, you know, it could happen. If he says it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And when he declares things like, greater is he that is in you than he is in the world, what he's referring to is the devil's roaming this world right now. And greater is he if you have Jesus in you. He's greater. You have power and authority over the devil. You know, the devil tries to make himself all pup, puffed up and big. You know, there's some animals and things in the wild that do that to try to scare people off, but they're just pussycats, really. And, uh, but we have a power, a greater power in us than what he has in the world. And you need to stand up wherever you go, wherever you travel, and realize that when you see a circumstance, you can speak into it. You know, I, I, you know Myanmar's a great case of that because you just never know when it's going to pop up some spiritual oppression and you just, you just go there. You don't start like worrying like, oh, what will people think? You know, is anyone watching? You know, because we sometimes go to that place. No, Jesus didn't do that. He just said with his authority, come out demon in the name of Jesus. The great thing is we got to understand that we are the victors. We are in victory. Jesus has won the victory. We're just cleaning up the mess. And, um, and uh, I love this passage because it tells you, you know, the devil always tries to deceive you and scare you. But I love Revelations 20.10 because it says, for the devil who, uh, who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet were and he will be tormented tormented day and night forever and ever we know and the devil knows this passage the devil knows the bible you know he's yeah he knows this and that's what he's worried about because when he sees it he goes oh my goodness i'm getting thrown in the lake of fire forever brimstone he knows that so he's angry and he hates people because we're made in the image and likeness of god and he'll do what he can to uh attack you so you remember he's not a nice guy even those that i've met people that have come out of the occult they kind of joined it because they were told they'll get power and, and things. Yeah, sure, they get power, but it's short-lived. And the devil is not even loyal to his, his own followers. He's not loyal to anyone. He is a liar and a cheat and a murderer from the start. And that's why God is going to cast him into the lake of fire at the end of time when judgment day is brought before us. He will be judged and thrown in there. This morning... We need to understand you only contain that power and have that authority and that covering in Jesus. If you've not surrendered to God, you're actually surrendering to the enemy, if you think about it. If you're not surrendered to God today, there's only two sides. Jesus says, you're either for me or you're against me. There's no in-between. There's no sitting on the fence hanging one side in the world and one side with Jesus. You know, that, he said, no, that's not, that doesn't work for me. He says, like, you're either for me, all of you, or you're against me. That's how, I, that's how Jesus sees it. There's no in-betweens. There's no like that old song I always say, that oh, the hokey pokey, put your left leg in, your right leg out, in, out, in, out. Some Christians are like that. It's about time you put your whole self in and remain there and stand. Amen?
I want to finish on this if you just want to close your eyes this morning because this is an important thing. The devil like doesn't like this part of the service because we actually give people an opportunity to come onto the good side, Jesus' side, to give their life to Jesus. And the devil hates this. But it's so important that you give your life to Jesus because there's no other way of survival for the days ahead. There's no other way of surviving for eternity. For the devil hates people. Jesus loves them so greatly. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever shall believe in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. This is a promise to you and I. God is for you. God is fighting for you against this enemy. But we need to stand up for Him this morning. If you are here this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, it's a simple prayer asking Him to forgive you of your sins because He paid for them when He died on the cross. He paid for all your sins. Ask Him to be your Lord and ask that you could live for Him the rest of your life. This morning, if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, you'd like to, said, that's me. I kind of really didn't know this whole deal, but I want to know I'm on the right side, the winning side. I want to know that for the love of Jesus, I want to know that I'm forgiven. I want to know that the enemy cannot have any power over me anymore. Well, that's a simple prayer of saying yes to Jesus. And if that's you this morning, you'd like to say yes to Jesus. I want Jesus in my life as Lord and Savior. Just raise your hand wherever you are with every head bowed, eye closed. And I will see that hand and I'll just pray for you. I just want to pray and encourage you because like, this enemy doesn't care two hoots about you. God so loves you. That's why we're here today. God so loves you that he wants you to hear his word. That he sent his only son to die, to defeat the evil one. He defeated the devil on the cross. Cost him his life. There's going to be a cost to you too, but it's not your life. It costs Jesus his life. It will cost you to make a stand for him. That's you this morning. Perhaps you may have uh, once in your life made a decision to follow Jesus and you've sort of fallen away. Perhaps you're not even sure if you're saved or not. Whatever category you're in, it doesn't matter. What matters is that you make a right with God this morning. If you're feeling that small tug or a small voice inside you this morning saying, that's God. That's good. If God's just saying to you, you know, raise your hand. I, I love you. I want to receive you this morning to my kingdom. If that's you, just wherever you are, just raise your hand. I'll see that and I'll pray with you. In fact, we're going to get everybody to do this in a minute just so we know everyone's covered. So thank you, Jesus. Let's all just stand this morning. And we're going to say what we call the sinner's prayer, which invites Jesus into your life. And I love saying this because it just reaffirms what I said some 35, 7, 37 years ago. Is. And for those, it may be the first time you're saying this. And if it is, hey, come chat to us later. We'd love to help you to grow on your walk with Christ. So let's all say together, Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner. And I ask you this day for your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And you rose again from the dead. I turn now from my sins and invite you to come into my life. To be my Lord and Savior forevermore. Amen. Amen. If you've said that for the first time, please come and see us here after we'd love to help you jesus loves you and uh it's a whole new life knowing that you are going to spend eternity with him this morning.
while you're standing too, you know, I believe there's people here that have things they need to be set free of. And I'm not just going to talk about being set free and let you be dismissed. I want to see you set free. Now, when I start talking like this, there's people with different bondages, different things that have held them. It could be simple things, uh, hatred in your life. It could be all sorts of things. You know, you know, because God will be speaking to you right now. God will be speaking to you right now about the things that you need to break free from. And I don't want to embarrass you. It's not about embarrassing, but it's setting you free. People don't need to know. Like when I do a call like this, I always make it very vague to many things. So you can be coming up here because you've got an anger problem or, or whatever. Maybe something deeper, I don't know. But I'm believing for God to set you free this morning. Set you free from all oppression, set you free from your past, set you free. For Jesus came to set the captives free. Amen. So as this song starts, if that's you, just come forward. And if you want prayer for healing or anything else, I welcome you.